you know, speaking of like weird mashups, um, <laughs> this is going to sound like super weird, but I think on YouTube you can find uh, someone who used the Miley Cyrus um, Wrecking Ball acapella mm-hmm. with Sinead O'Connor's Nothing Compares to You. Oh, shoot. And um, it actually works, man. It actually works. Really? You gotta check that out. Watch the next next pod. Our update. My update's gonna be. I was totally <laughs> wrong about that. Miley Cyrus <laughs> sent Shane O'Connor. Yeah. If it works, no, we're gonna if it, it works, up, we'll post it. Yeah. <laughs> no, even if it doesn't work, we're posting it. <laughs> All right. Sounds great. <laughs> Welcome to the Pop Culture Podcast. I'm John. I'm father to Malcolm, who's 11 months old. And I really wish the Muppet Babies cartoon was available to stream for him to watch. I mean, for me to watch. Yeah, those are good ones. So I'm Anton. I'm father to Ginny, who is three and a half, going on 18, and Ellis, 10 months. And um, due to our recent LA road trip, I've memorized every song from the Troll soundtrack. Shout out um, Anna Kendrick and Zoe Deschanel rapping. It's really bad. John and I, we've known each other for, what, like 20 years? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we spend our time on this podcast talking about, you know, all the pop culture and entertainment that that we love, that we currently love, what we used to love, and, you know, sometimes the stuff that we're kind of ready to let go of. Especially now that we've got these new perspectives as dads. Um, but real talk, sometimes we're just getting older and, you know, we just need you to get off our lawns and stuff. So, um, any updates you want to share, John? Yeah, so I have uh, one quick, actually two quick updates. The first one is... We want to send a big shout out and thanks again to our friend Art for coming through last episode to talk about his experience and his family's experience with um, with San Diego Comic Con and uh, everything that they learned in terms of preparing for it and everything that they got out of it, both for themselves as parents and for their daughter, Emmy. So as you know, we, te- we tend to run a little long right in our in our episodes and our recordings. And we actually have a ton more of content and decided to edit that out so that we could have our own pop culture quick guide to your first Comic-Con as parents. So we'll send that out soon. Yeah, and then the other thing just happened this week. And so Brody Brazil, one of our local grown um, sportscasters or sports media personalities actually, uh, tweeted out, would you want the A's and Giants to have a physical trophy during each year's Bay Bridge series? And so I tweeted through our Papa Culture Pod account and said, yeah, that would be awesome. What if we asked Caltrans to make it out of some of the old material from the uh, the Bay Bridge? 
and I tagged Caltrans on it when I responded to him. And so Caltrans is an NBC Bay Area and Brody. They all figured it out, and there's going to be a trophy that's going to be made out of some old steel from the Bay Bridge. And that pretty much started from our our suggestion on Twitter. That's pretty dope. Now, I wonder if uh, they are going to reforge that steel a la Forged in Fire. Shout out to my favorite show. Well, (laughs) well, second favorite show because uh, Thrones is on right now. Yep. Or maybe third, maybe third favorite show because Rick and Morty is also back. We'll talk about that later, mm, actually. Yeah. If you're listening and you're not caught up to Game of Thrones season seven, episode four, go ahead and fast forward to our next segment, and you'll find it on our in our description of what what the next topic will be. What do you think so far? I'm into it, man. I think um, there's been talk uh, amongst the, I guess, the podcasters that I listen to that uh, episode season seven, episode four was probably in the top five of episodes uh, in Game of Thrones, despite the fact that it's only like 50 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably agree, uh, but probably on the lower lower uh of the top five um yeah man i loved it there were lots of really great scenes particularly in winterfell um and that last 20 minutes man was mm-hmm. yeah probably everyone who like kind of bought in early they yeah. wanted to see a scene like that right and man it delivered dude you know, okay. people are probably going to complain like that there's only seven episodes or this season and six next, you know, six next season and this final season. But, yeah, you know, if the budget is going to stuff like what we saw in episode four, mm-hmm. all about it, all about it. Yeah. The ending was just kind of crazy and I had to rewind it to watch it again um, no, it because was, of the dragons, was- right? Dragons, fuck yeah, dude! Fuck yeah, dragons, man. Uh, I mean the the scene, the scene, just in terms of how seeing it, like happening, you know, the flying and the different kinds of um, maneuvers that the the dragon was doing um, with Daenerys on on it. Yep. They, they, Especially the last part. Yeah, they did. Um, a lot of things that you haven't we haven't seen on Game of Thrones yet, mm-hmm. um, and and in fact they they kind of built on some of the stuff that we had seen before, like yeah, you know that scene where Bronn gets um, dehorsed, mm-hmm. and then he's being chased by that Dothraki dude as he's going over to that scorpion, like that was. Uh, that very much felt like um, the Battle of the Bastards, where John is trying to fight the Bolton army by himself, and the camera's like right there on him, and um, mm-hmm. everything around him is like there's all this craziness around him as he's trying to just like fight through. And you saw shades of that with um, with Bronn actually as the character, yeah, that they're focusing on, and then yeah, just all the different. 
ways that the dragon attacked and the camera angles that they used. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like when the one where you're like, it's basically like a, the camera's on top of uh, Drogon, like over the shoulder looking down at like the train. Mm-hmm. And then he just like breathes fire down on that. And then the other one where it's like a wide shot and then you see Drogon come from like the left side of the screen to the right, and then it just like blows the dragon flame like just all over the train. That that was just yeah. Yeah. ridiculous, dude. It's funny actually yeah. because um so this weekend I was in LA for uh an old coworker's uh film premiere. Yeah. So it was on Sunday. So I'm getting ready, you know, the the film's over. Game of Thrones is probably almost halfway done. So I'm heading back to the hotel where Tess and the kids were. So I'm texting Tess like, hey, is, is there still pizza? I'm kind of hungry. Oh, also, <laughs> are you watching Thrones? And then it was like, she texted back and was like, yes, can't talk right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was during that scene. Oh, shoot. So then I get home. And I was like, okay, cool. When's the next airing? Because, you know, obviously, like, we're in the hotel, right? Luckily, yeah. they have Game of Thrones. And she's like, oh, well, there's one at um, there's one at uh, 10. I was like, okay, sweet. She's like, but H- it's HBO Latino. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> but the next one was 1130, so I had to wait, like, you know. An hour and a half. Yeah, so it was cool. But then the... I don't know. It it didn't look like it was in HD, so then I had to rewatch it when I got home, like in HD, was a, and it looks so much better, dude. Not a bad episode of rewatch, though. It, it's it's weird because like that battle or that set piece is gonna that get gets all the headlines, mm-hmm. but there was some really great character stuff. Yeah, with um with Arya and Sansa, like their reunion, um, mm-hmm. and then like that that um training scene with Brienne and mm-hmm. Arya like that that was like really really dope too. Yeah. Um oh, I just want to give a shout out to there was uh I saw this post on Facebook uh from uh an old friend uh, Christina Ying. She posted like this uh her fa- her new favorite like Game of Thrones recap site. Mhm. I think it's um Black Nerd Problems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's hella funny, dude. Um, we'll probably post that. We'll probably uh, share it on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. But it's a funny-ass read. So, shouts cool. to them. Yeah, I agree with you that historically there's always been big payoffs and big battle scenes in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um. And so that was big, but I agree with you that there was like the reunions with the with with the siblings, some subtleties. Yes. And how they reacted to each other, knowing realizing how much that they changed. Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, obviously, I think the kids the most have changed the most, right? And in, in for sure. Yeah. You know, and that's like, I don't know how long ago it was when they even shot that pilot, but you know, the kids look hella old already. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, and you know what? And another underrated scene and under talked about scene is like John and Theon seeing each other mm-hmm. on the beach. Yeah. Like I remember when 
when that scene came up and then uh like uh john was like is that a Greyjoy ship and i'm like mm-hmm. oh shit and then like that scene was really well played um yeah yeah can you remind I, I, the thing is like since things have happened so long ago i don't even remember you know when some of the characters last interacted um even yeah. 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 So, well, with who? With John and Theon, you mean? Mm-hmm. Well, so, with a lot of them, but in this particular case. Yeah, John and yeah. Theon, I think that was like season one. Um, like, it must have been even episode one or episode two because John goes to the wall pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but I guess Theon was like kind of a, it was kind of like a dick to mm-hmm. to John. Like whenever they found the direwolves. Mm-hmm. Um, for the first time, and then Theon was the one making fun of like, "Oh, you can have the white one, the runs of the litter that goes to that goes to you, John, because you're because you're not even Stark right. or whatever, right?" So, right, right. Uh... So yeah, that's that's long, dude, and um, yeah, Arya and Sansa season one, David since they've been separated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's... Yeah. What do you think about the cave? Uh, in terms of what, like as a plot device or, yeah, as a um, as a plot device. I didn't mind it. It seemed a little. It it seemed like it could be cheap, like a a cheap way to. Kind of tell like some history or some backstory. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, like, I'm willing to forgive stuff like this because, mm-hmm. and this is something that, you know, um, some of the podcasts that I listen to, they, they talk about this a lot where it's like, you know, you have, you have to kind of, or we, we should try and give like these, like uh, Benioff and Weiss, the, the creators of the TV version, like the benefit of the doubt um, when trying to tell the story because... You know, they really they signed up to basically uh, adapt from text. You know, they mm-hmm. probably assumed that uh, George R. R. Martin would have finished the book so that they could just continue to, you know, adapt. But yeah. then now that they've been off book for the last what three seasons, mm-hmm. you know, they're just trying to get shit done. So. Mm-hmm. it's probably not going to happen like that in the book yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah. but um, yeah it, and that might be that might be, that might be better for a, a show that is winding down and you know getting to to some resolutions yeah well you know there's a lot of uh, kind of chatter amongst the Twitterverse or whatever about how you know how well crafted the writing was in the earlier seasons mm-hmm. um you know and how it's not explicitly like plot you know this this plot point to the next plot point mm-hmm. um but then again that's because like the roadmap was laid out by the the text like the books right right um, right so now you can look at it as these two dudes are basically writing fan fiction. 
<laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah. So I think, you know, that's it's kind of a weird place if you're like a hardcore book fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I enjoyed the books. They were freaking hard to read, but I wouldn't call myself like a hardcore book fan at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed the books and like I like hearing other people who are really hardcore book fans talk yeah. about the book and like because they've got like the depth of knowledge that is pretty amazing, but I don't want to try and commit to gaining myself, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, yeah. So yeah, I could see, I could see how some of those folks would be kind of upset about how it's, it's really a TV show now, right? Like, yeah, you know, doing a little cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the I, I think um I did think that and this isn't even a complaint, but I did think that some of the some of the execution in, in this season has been quote unquote more convenient than in past seasons. Right. Um and that's not necessarily a bad thing, like I mentioned. Because I think this is like one of the the seasons pretty much know what the hell's going on without really having to ask other people what's going on. Right. And then because in the past, it's mm-hmm. not, it's like super dense and right. Yeah. Cause now it's streamlined and you know, mm-hmm. with 13 mm-hmm. episodes to tell this, this end game, they've streamlined the stories. Cause even like some of the episodes I, I, I noticed like, Episode two and episode three. Episode two was very John and John Snow and Daenerys focused. Right. And then episode three, although they showed everyone, it was heavily um, Cersei. Yep. And it helps <laughs> to keep that continuity when there's, you know, how, how many hundreds of main characters that they've used over the past six episodes, uh, six seasons, right? Yeah. There's definitely been a lot of complaints um, amongst, like, the Twitterverse and stuff like that about how, you know, everyone's teleporting everywhere. Like, there's no way it would take, you know, like, Euron's fleet, like, Euron could have a thousand mm-hmm. ships or it could travel, like, so quickly to be, to go to Casterly Rocks and stuff, you know, and it's just like. You know, come on, man. Like, we got 13 episodes left. They, they just need to, like, move the pieces on the board quickly so that they right. can just, like, execute. And, you know, I mean, I get it. Some people are just really nitpicky and whatever. And, like, yeah. they're getting hung up on yeah. that to maybe, and that's preventing from enjoying the show as much as mm-hmm. they probably could, right? But yeah. I get it. I get yeah. it all. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I ain't mad at it. It's, it's mm-hmm. been it's been like a super fun ride. Just uh, watching each week and kind of curating my podcasts yeah. and um, kind of, you know, hearing and reading the voices, the points of view that I like to, uh, to read after these. Yeah. Right. So, I would um, recommend the binge mode ones. You know, because like there's there's a few that I listen to, and then I think the the best balance of like really good, rich content and people who are still really excited to talk about what's going on despite all of like these 
um, despite the nitpicks or whatever, like uh, Jason Concepcion and Mallory Rubin are, are the best, I think, for me to to consume. Because um, some people are just too nitpicky, but still good, and yeah. they're really long. Like, um, I think the binge mode ones. If you're if you're limited on time, listen to those. Yeah. Because um, they're like, su- they're super fans themselves. They do use like sports analogies, so that's kind of funny. Yeah. And they uh they like they use like that um that wrestling quote. When it when they say like oh is that so and so's music I hear and like they they right. do like you know they have fun with it right no it's funny that you say that because I was just thinking about the 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 last scene in episode four with, <laughs> yeah and there was there's there's two points to it and the one one I'll talk about with like the wrestling pieces it's it we got to the point where we've invested in so many of the characters right yeah that even if some of the characters are supposed to be the villains, you know, some people are going to have their different favorites, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like what wrestling is now in the past, you know, like in the eighties, 90, well, eighties and early nineties, it was pretty like, there's good guys and bad guys and you cheer for the good guys. You hate the bad guys. Right. 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 You cheer for Hulk Hogan. when He's a good guy. You cheer for um, Macho Man. when He's a good guy. You hate him when he's a bad guy. But now, in like wrestling, it's just kind of off off the chains because people just basically cheer for whoever they want to cheer for, right? right? Right. There's there's on paper there's good guys, and on there's on paper there's bad guys. But really, it it, it changes per week per match depending on who who are you know people are facing. They're gonna cheer for who people that they like, and at the end of the match, they'll cheer for whoever they want to win or whatever, right? Yeah. Like I was thinking about that with the last scene because you know you have two main characters that we've invested in for a long time mm-hmm. and jamie and daenerys mm-hmm. right and my second point with that last scene is that because this because the series has been okay with killing long term or well-loved or well-hated characters that the stakes are always real in each episode. Right. So I honestly didn't know, I'm like, oh shit, is is Jamie going to die? <laughs> right? Yeah, for sure. Because it was perfect. I mean, and I, the thing is like... I legit thought Braun was going to die. I was mm-hmm. like, dude, he's a like crowd favorite, man. Fan favorite Braun. He's great, great yeah. character. And he's like, oh man, this yeah. is... He's, he's outie. Right, because um, the thing is, like, you don't know because they've already they've done it before, right? Which is important because then it's not like GI Joe where people jump out of the planes and just no, no one dies, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, but I was thinking, I was watching it in this moment. There's some people that are cheering as they're watching. They're cheering on Daenerys and the dragon, and uh, Jamie as he she he's a. Uh, charging towards her right right um even though you know there's certain levels of like jamie was initially a totally the total villain right right um anyway that's just something i was actually just thinking about was the whole wrestling aspect to it <laughs> no but it's it's true it's like 
I think this has been pointed out as well, but that this is probably the first really big battle scene where the you really people really cared about the main characters on either side of the fight. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like um Battle of the Bastards, like of course you want John to win and not um oh you know what? No, I take that back. Um when the wildlings attacked Castle Black, mm-hmm. like you it was so tense because obviously you wanted uh the Night's Watch to win, but you also were invested in the wildlings like Tormund and Egret and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and all those guys too, right? So that was really tense. That whole yeah. sequence. And same yeah. thing with this one. It's like, okay, you know, you you do care about everyone. And I'm wondering, like going back to the wrestling thing, is this like like what happened at the end, right? Like, you know, someone was gonna get pinned, right? Like yeah. Daenerys yeah. was gonna get pinned and then uh someone yeah. comes in and saves them and then like calls yeah. it disqualification. So you the good guy doesn't lose the title. Mm-mm. You know, the bad guy kind of wins but doesn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like uh yeah. that's exactly so what schmaz. That's yeah. basically what they call a schmaz ending. Oh, sh- a schmaz ending. So WrestleMania 5 is when Macho Man and Hulk um wrestled each other for in the main event. Right. Okay. Okay. And so okay. you're building them up in like say the Saturday night's main event before WrestleMania, you're not going to have either Macho Man or Hulk Hogan lose to each other. So you'll build up this big match and then, yeah, um, somehow Macho Man's going to get disqualified or Hulk Hogan's going to get disqualified and still keep the championship. Yeah, he keeps the belt, but then, yeah, all right, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what happened, man. Just talking about wrestling real quick and how it's interesting that you were saying that it became where, you know, people are just going to root for who they root for. And then regardless of the bad guy thing. So that reminds me of like when Kurt Angle came out, like Mm -hmm. it seemed like he was supposed to be the good guy, but he was like hated. Yeah. Right. Um, Yeah. I love that. That was Mm -hmm. so funny to me. And then it, it seemed like such a great use of him. And because he, he was supposed to be like the good guy, the Olympic you know, the Olympic champion guy and then him just like reacting to not being loved as he thought he should be. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. And that happened recently over the past or maybe two years ago. Um, there's this team called the new day that, um, I love and most, I, I have a bunch of their shirts, but, um, they, they repackage themselves as this kind of like a uh, church choir positivity kind of thing. Uh-huh. And that, and that did not go over well. <laughs> so they're supposed to be good guys, but they're totally like hated. They, the, 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 the whole uh, gimmick wasn't going over. And then, so eventually they just, just like leaned that's in. the crowd was, they just you know, leaned into it. The crowd was, yeah. They le- leaned into it. And then, and then they started getting a little edge and started getting humor and started doing things. And eventually they flipped them back to being the good guys because 
people totally responded to them. Huh. Right. Yeah. Um, and so now they are one of the more popular acts period. And maybe not in so much of an organic way. I feel like that's kind of like what Jamie's gone through. Right. Yes. Um, I mean, there's, I mean, it's obviously that's, but, but, you know, who and cheer the guy who's, you know, doing it with his sister and then, and throws a 10 year old boy. Help. Off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But he's a total sympathetic character. You know, it's weird that you're rooting for that guy. You know what it, I'm saying? It, yeah, it is. Yeah. Even like when, yeah, even when the whole, what's his name? The, um, the other Greyjoy, what's his name? Euron. Yeah, when he was teasing Jamie, <laughs> right, right. You know, after you know, like dismantling the, um, um, the navy. Yeah. Like that's sad, and it's like, oh, it's so gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's gross. It's so gross, but it's so sad. For... Yeah, yeah. It's like, dang, dude, you're getting dunked on. <laughs> <laughs> this... Oh, one thing. I don't know if they have anything else for Game of Thrones so far, but one thing that I thought was also interesting, because I, I mean, I'm sure that there's been humor somewhere along the line, but I don't remember a lot of um, humorous parts in all the first six seasons. But I found it really funny in episode two when, um, when Jon Snow and Daenerys met each other. Yeah. And, you know, like, Khaleesi, or Daenerys has you know, like 20 different nicknames, <laughs> the title, right? The titles. Yeah. 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 You know, like, yeah. The whole, and then you go back to this whole wrestling thing, right? Like you could hear a wrestling announcer or like Michael, um, what's his name? The, um, the boxing announcer, Michael Booker. Buffer, Buffer, Michael Buffer. Michael yeah. Buffer has, uh, you know, introducing like, you know, Mayweather <laughs> or something. Right. And then there's like a 20 minute intro for Daenerys. Yeah. And then it's like, and here's Jon Snow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's he's the king of the north. Yeah, yeah, dude, that's that's hella funny. That was that was a really funny moment. <laughs> and it was intentionally it was supposed to be funny, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Usually, we're talking about stuff that's either a few months back, which I guess makes a lot of sense for us, but. That's true. Well, you know that's that's what happens when you're a dad, man. Like you, yes, you can't man. you can't stay current on everything, dude. You can't. Yes. You just There's, can't. You just cannot. Yeah, I mean, I had to. To be honest, I had to sneak out today, um, to watch Dunkirk. Mm. You know, I wanted to watch it in like seventy millimeter IMAX, but all the theaters were a little bit too far, and I just couldn't do it so i just had to go to the local local century theaters shout out daily city and <laughs> um and then just catch a matinee man nice had to do it had to do it just from your experience did you like it yes i did okay um, all right I don't, i'm not sure what other I'm, I'm sure it'll get compared to other world war ii movies like Saving Private Ryan or Fury, Fury, which is 
super dope actually if you haven't seen that one yet oh is it okay yeah the one with brad pitt and he's like a yeah. the tank that was dope actually hmm. um you know okay. i guess you'll have to you'll, you'll compare dunkirk to that but i don't think it's it's a different type of it's a different type of story um, mm-hmm. it's it's just like a, did you watch Mad Max? I did. Um, well, the recent one. Yeah, yeah, the Mad Max yeah. Fury Road. Did you feel like that yeah. was like super? Like your foot was on the throttle the entire time. Yes. Dunkirk. It, it, start, it started off that way. <laughs> yeah. Dunkirk is kind of like that, but instead of just like intense, um, just like adrenaline, just pumping, pumping, pumping. This is like mm-hmm. anxiety the whole way. Yeah. Um, let's, dude. Nolan knows what he's doing. I want to shout out the yeah. uh, the director of photography because he is one of the the dudes who's doing some big things over the last few years too. I think he's a Dutch dude. Hoyt. What else? Hoyt what is, Van Hoytema. Um. He did her with Spike Jones. Okay. He did yes. the original um the original Swedish um Let the Right One In. Okay. Um I'm gonna cheat real quick and go IMDB because his work really needs to be called out. Yeah. Oh yeah, he also did um Interstellar. Um, okay but then and he did uh specter which was the last james bond movie which look which look okay. good too but yeah but this dude is um was legit man hoyt van hoytema mm-hmm. well interstellar was i was admittedly i was kind of falling asleep through parts of it because i was watching it really late but it was shot really well <laughs> yeah it was it was. Yeah. It looked really good. Um, yeah, but yeah, Dunkirk was uh, was great. What other World War Two movies have have you watched that you really connected with? Hmm. Great question. Saving Private Ryan is one of my favorites. Okay. I don't even know what I, what World War Two movie. I, I've watched the Raid. Oh, not the Raid. The Great Raid. I forgot what other the other actually the one World War Two movie I know that I watched like a hundred thousand times is um, Memphis Bell. Oh, well, I watched Pearl Harbor once, and I thought it was like <laughs> the, the the stupidest. I mean, like you know, I'm never gonna complain with like Kate Kate Beckinsale, true, and I'm never gonna you know dog Ben Affleck, but um, shout I thought out, that movie was shout out stupid. to Josh Hartnett. Why you gotta forget him? Yeah, man? why you gotta forget him? It, we have to. Shout out the whole love triangle. Yeah, it's so weird, weird, stupid kind of. Anyway, Ooh, yes, I didn't. I know. I know what uh, my. I think my three favorite World War Two movies probably. All right, go ahead. What? So I will say Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. Fury, and Atonement. Even Atonement. though, I, I mean, Atonement, it takes place during World War Two, and it has like. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna count that though. 
I really yeah. like the tome. I rewatched that recently, and I was like, damn, that's good. Um, With uh, Keira Knightley? Keira Knightley, James McAvoy. Okay. I don't think, um, I don't think I'm which, you know, does cover Dunkirk, actually. Like the, okay. like the events that happened at Dunkirk. Oh, um, okay. I just wanted, I was going to bring this up last time and it was more of the whole record. So, uh, or the whole album. Have you heard of Static Selecta, the producer, the hip hop producer? I've heard of him, but I, I wouldn't say that I'm familiar with what he's yeah. done. Yeah. And I wouldn't say I'm super familiar with him either. Although I just know that he's, you know, one of the more prolific or he was, I don't know. Um, but anyway, so I was, I started listening to, a 2014 album of his called what comes around um or what goes around comes around or something something like that and um it was fun to listen to because the beats were the kind of style that i like listening to it's not um i mean there's obviously some some contemporary uh sensibilities to it but it's also very jazz sample heavy from the 90s nice but the one song i definitely want to shout out actually the one verse is the song is called the imperial and the verse is actually by black thought from the roots Mm -hmm. and so i think it's with any of like the old rappers it's it's sometimes it's easy to kind of take them for granted in terms of the skill that they have because they're old (laughs) and then (laughs) You know they've they've got they've they've gone away from the on the best rapper alive kind of stuff except if you're Jay Z um, because they're older and they're rapping about other things right yeah and so it's been a long time since I've heard Black Thought kind of just rip um, just the a classic I'm the best around kind of. Um, verse and just really playing with rhyme scheme and all stuff and you know he obviously does that all the time but like his all his all their songs with the roots are now thematic you know there's something more to it but his verse on the imperial was just ridiculous well speaking of music um so i mentioned earlier that i was like uh we went to la last weekend Uh so i was able to during the long stretch um, kind of throw on some mixes uh, that I hadn't listened to. Hmm. And uh, if you haven't been to mixcloud.com or downloaded that app, and if you like DJs and radio shows and some pretty dope hip hop mixes, uh, there's a bunch on Mixcloud. Um, and I want to shout out anthony castro dj presto because uh on my mixcloud account there's a feed and it shows all the mixes that he's listened to mm-hmm. and um since he is a dope ass dj and uh very well well knowledged hip-hop dude whatever mm-hmm. he listens to is pretty much gold yeah. so uh what I found on there was a mix by um, Scratch Bastard, 
who's this dope DJ out of Canada. Mm-hmm. And then um, one of the mixes that I listened to was like from five years ago, but um, it is, oh no, where'd it go? But it's uh, it's basically called like the starter era, like the starter jackets and the starter hats and stuff like that. Nice. So, yeah. um, so it's 1989 to 1993. So all the songs are from that era. And then his like, he's dope, man. He's, his scratches are super clean. And um, like, I love hmm. when the, the scratching that's used in mixes has a bunch of like, it's, it's just scratching for like musicality as opposed to just scratching to just show off your skills. Right. Um, right. And, well, we'll, we'll post links so you don't have to spell it, but yep. yeah, 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 we'll probably post it. Uh, Looking it up right now and I'll yeah, set that up later. But he is dope, man. Uh, nice. Yeah. I love listening to mixes, man. I get, <laughs> you go to parties and DJs that are hired that are getting paid to DJ. Right. Can't even mix. Yep. Properly. Yep. But they're basically just cutting the, the, the they're just fading out their song, saying something, fading in a new song. Or even when they when they do try to mix in, it's just horrible. Yeah. It's like off I'm like, Right. I'm like, dude, you guys paid for this? <laughs> But you know what? That's because like we grew up around DJs and beat matching yeah. and stuff like that, and like listening to mixes. But like, yeah. most people don't care, you know? right? Most people don't care. I mean, yeah, our our high or our junior high, middle school, high school era of growing up in music, we had mixes like four times a day on KMO. Yeah. Speaking right? of that, actually. Um, KML has posted some of their like mixes from like 88, 89, like Cameron Paul. Yeah. Like it's on Mixcloud. Actually, I saw it because DJ Presto had listened to a bunch of them. So the site, this app is dope too, man. And if you have, if you have Sonos in your house, we need to get a Sonos sponsorship, man. Once we get big enough, cause then I'd be talking (laughs) all about it. But, um, Sonos is, I mean, uh, Mixcloud is one of the apps that works with Sonos. So whatever mm-hmm. you got on your feed, you could do. And just another quick thing, if you're super into um, listening to mixes, there's also a channel, Brooklyn Radio, that does like hip hop history mixes. So they have yeah. like 1993, 95, nice. 98. Yeah. It's just all the tra- dope tracks that came out from those years. And it's funny oh, wow. because you're listening to them and I'm like, oh, damn, I didn't even realize that was that year. Yeah. So check them out, man. Dang. Oh, actually, I'm, I'm on the site right now looking at the KML um, search on Mixcloud. Yeah. And there's Fintronics from 1990. Yeah, dude. Cameron Paul, 88, 88. Alex Mejia, 1990. Like, oh, man, this is, this is the era. Theo. <laughs> from 89 dang this is dope, right? I always thought it would have been a really it would have been a really interesting documentary 
to um for folks to just go back and look explore that era of like the true wild 94 9 slash wild 107 rivalry with kmel during the early 90s just because the mix game was so strong for both um for both stations and there was just like their street teams were ridiculously like energetic we had some of our own you know some of our friends were mixing some of our friends were on the street teams for those stations at the time when they were still they were both still independent yeah um and then interviewing some of the some of the djs back then all the on-air personalities just because you know i mean they're big to us but yeah i mean that would be tight and you know, it probably wouldn't be that hard because there's still some of those on-air personalities are on like the throwback radio stations now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Dude, like Rick Lee's still around, man. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I remember, yeah, dude, you were in the car. It was whatever time it was, whatever those mixes were, you were always like, yeah. I was always on like waiting yeah. Yeah, at some point, like say with KML, because I was listening to KML more often than not. Um, so I'd wake up to it, I'd fall asleep to it. So like the six thirty or six o'clock, they'd have a mix from Glenn Arry, right? right? right. And then nine o'clock, they'd have a mix um, when Michael Erickson was on. And then sometimes they'd have a mix during like five o'clock. Mm-hmm. And then they might have a mix at 10. This is like the regular weekday schedule. And then... Well, sometimes uh, they do it during lunch, too. They do like a 12 Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Right. At that time, they also had free reign. They had more free reign to bring in more local music since they were independent. And then they didn't have Cumulus or um, Clear Channel telling them what, what music to play. Yeah, well, and, and especially yeah. during holiday weekends where it was like all the yeah. personalities took took their days off, yeah. and they're like, "All right, well, let's get these like yeah. these hungry cats from local local DJs," and yeah. um, you know that's where the homie like Rich, yeah, you know, got in, and you know, uh-huh. he, I remember his to slot was like. 11 to 2 or something crazy like that 11 right. p.m. or even later i remember yeah. um we've got pictures when he i think one of the first times he was spinning where um we visited the studio and got to like be on the air with um who was it was it Vaughn johnson maybe this one nine for nine right um that was that was probably like 97 right right um yeah man those were that's true it'd be really interesting to i would love to i mean i don't know how if anyone else is going to be that interested in watching a documentary about that but i'd be all about it yeah i i think i mean with the bay area i mean especially with people that recognize how bad over the air radio mainstream mainstream radio yeah because it's all owned by you know the, the media conglomerates um because you know you don't even have 
across the country in certain places you don't even have real djs they have they're just you know they're quote-unquote broadcasting from some other places you know i think it would be really interesting to i mean not just our small circle but a lot of people especially from the bay that grew up with it um because they even think thinking about like this the the different kinds of things that spawned from the era so you had the, the wake-up show starting that came up through KML, right right and then for a while every night there was a battle of the rappers at like six o'clock oh yeah that's right, right? yeah people would call in and then um the morning shows had their own like real real big kind of style um whether it was the morning zoo or whatever it was right um there was billy <laughs> Rennell before she was at the giants um Lisa St. Regis, David D, you know, before, I mean, he's, he could probably help her. He could probably be the producer of that. Cause he was there, um, whether or not he would want to, but you know, remember back there was like nine o'clock, there was love lines or love zone, no love lines. And then 11 o'clock there was love, love zone. <laughs> right. Right. Cause it was segmented real, you know, pretty well in terms of like catching like all these different things you know i was thinking about this the other day too is like whatever happened to the slow jam right you know what i mean there's no i mean like i'm legit asking what what do you what happened to them like i mean growing up yeah we would hear it on the the nightly the weeknight shows where it's like, yeah, everyone's winding down. Of course you're going to listen to like kind of slow songs and, you know, especially on Sundays where they do all the oldies, those were like Mm -hmm. stylistics and Delphonics and all those like classic love songs. But I mean, I wonder what happened. I mean, I guess like R and B died and converted to Neo soul and just, Oh, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, I think, there's no slow songs that get any major airplay right now, at least from, yeah. at least on the R&B side. Like maybe, yeah, of course Adele is going to come out with a right. a slow song or. Yeah. Well, John Legend had some. True. Yeah. But okay. it's really, but I, if, if that might also just relate back to like the whole media conglomerate clear, clear channel thing where it's like their their audio directors or whatever they're called um they pretty much have a list of 50 songs that those businesses want or those corporations want them to play yeah for sure and since like there's they're also replacing a lot of quote-unquote urban stations with top 40 or old school you know what i mean like it's but like you know the radio, like- the radio model different yeah it's it's just so weird maybe this is a a, uh you know get off our lawn moment get off my lawn moment but you know when we were growing up and after high school in college like it would not be unusual if like you rolled up to a stop sign and then the car next to you 
was like bumping like black street mm-hmm. or you know or like a drew hill slow jam and yep. you know nobody you know you're not going to roll up and hear someone you know bumping like adele or you know anything but yeah the, that that era of radio which is i mean it was probably just the golden era of radio so if anyone out there is listening and wants to work on a documentary on that, so could you could you do it? <laughs> Please, thanks. Hit us up. Hit us up. Actually, cool. I just talked to someone about doing a documentary project that I'm really excited about. I don't want to say too much about it because it's like still yeah. super early and I don't want to jinx it. Yeah. Um, but it it's somewhat related to what we mm-hmm. just talked about. Um, Ooh. Nice. Somewhat related, but I got so excited about it. I'm really, really excited about it. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. Man, I hope that happens because, well, I'm not even hoping. It'll happen, right? It'll happen. It's going to happen, man. It's, yeah, it's, I'm super duper excited about it. Um, And I think it's going to be something that people are going to be super into, so. Nice. Ah, that's okay. Off, yeah. off the record, I want to hear hear about it, so we'll okay, talk cool. about that. Yeah. Off. You know, actually, on the music tip, you've heard of Amerigo Gazaway. Have you heard of Amerigo Gazaway? I have not. So remember, there was an Apple commercial a while back, and then it had um, a most deaf and Marvin Gaye mashup song. It was the one, I think it was in Detroit when they were all riding bikes and stuff. Inner City Traveling Man, that one? Mm-hmm. Okay, do you guys yeah. want me to play it so everyone on the pod can hear it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go. Can't you let me go? If you Google Amerigo, A-M-E-R-I-G-O, Gazaway, G-A-Z-A-W-A-Y on or just Google them or look them up on bandcamp.com then you'll get to a bunch of their songs but recently they just released their newest mashup called A Common Wonder oh I do see that right here yeah on their yeah. Uh, bandcamp site mm-hmm. which is basically a Stevie Wonder and Common mashup I think it's just a mix of various uh, Stevie songs and a bunch of songs from um common and so i haven't I, I listened to the first one that they released the first single but then i didn't realize that they released the whole album of it and it's basically it's a free download so if you look them up and you want to download that and some some of their other stuff oh, like yeah. it's all free i think oh well not all of it but a lot of their mashups are free there's a fella soul, which is souls. Uh, fella Cuddy and De, De, La. De La Soul, yeah. They do a really good job of the mashups. It's not one of these things where it's just the they're mixing like the the beat with the with the uh, yeah. acapella, right? Or the instrumental right. acapella. That's cool. Right. They actually put in a lot of thought into making sure the songs fit each other, like in theme. Nice and music, like the uh, uh, like the Danger Mouse one. Yes, the, the Gray album, right? Gray album, yeah. And uh, there's a 
Biggie and Star Wars mashup. Have you heard of that one? Uh, no, I haven't. There was a Beasties yeah. and something too recently. Mm-hmm. I forgot what that one was. Yeah. So shout out to those folks that are doing really good music, good stuff with like, uh, very, very uh, creative mashups and well executed mashups actually too. So since we were talking about music, I thought I'd throw that in. Oh yeah, it was also the sorry, just real quick. I found the mm-hmm. Beastie Boys was the Daft Punk and Beastie Boys mashup. Album. Oh, nice! I gotta find that. Um, have you seen Rick and Morty? I watched some uh, some episodes. Yeah, but I hear a lot of good things about it. It's 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 awesome. It's um, it's great. I don't even know how to explain it, but. It's pretty rad. Um, definitely adult, not for kids. I know this pop culture yeah. podcast, but you know this is not a kids, not a kids one. Um, really interesting father. Actually, really interesting relationships, though. Yeah. Um, like a the portrayal of the parents, um, the husband and wife, and then the kids and their relationships with the parents and. Um, the crazy grandpa, Grandpa Rick, mm-hmm. Rick Sanchez, uh, is interesting stuff. And then, you know, it, it feels like the through line for the whole, all the seasons is that really is the relationship. Like that, that's kind of like the overarching story and kind of what happens in the show. Okay. Aside from all the crazy intergalactic hijinks they get into. Right. Um, well, it's kind of like if. Uh... Rick and Morty's relationship is, at least when it first started, was kind of like, well, maybe not their relationship, but their character archetypes were kind of like uh, Marty and Doc, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. A homie from LA, Alex Cordero, who, um, friend of the pod, he, he shot, he, when I saw him over the weekend, it, uh, when I was in LA, he's like, dude, good job with the podcast. I was like, oh, sweet, man. I'm glad you listened. He's a father of two as nice. well. Um, uh, and yeah, father to Nija, um, who's I think four, and Inara, who's like, I think one. Yeah. Um, anyway, he uh, told me about um, this youtube channel uh oats studios mm-hmm. and it's basically um neil blomkamp the director of district nine and Chappie, and um mm-hmm. so i guess he started like this uh studio just to produce shorts that he just posts on youtube and it's supposed right. to be like experimental experimental content creation so i think there's probably a lot of like effects i haven't really done a whole bunch of um viewing of their of their episodes but Mm -hmm. um you know alex is a designer himself so and he's really got good taste in clothes and shoes and just style in general so his is a opinion that i I, I definitely value, so I'm mm-hmm. definitely going to be peeping that. 
it's a, actually with the Rick and Morty you were mentioning that I think it was Andy Samberg on with nerd the nerd with uh, Chris Hardwick on the Nerdist podcast. Mm-hmm. It was it was a few weeks ago, but uh, I think they were just talking about shows that were just really funny, and I think one of them was saying how Rick and Morty is so good that they cry because it's so good being you know comedic writers it's pretty Um, damn good yeah yeah and so like yeah one of the things is uh i used to listen to nerdist podcast a lot but then i've kind of haven't listened to it as much it's kind of gone down on my priority list it's usually just based off of uh the 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 guest um but i do really appreciate because i think that's really was one of the first podcasts that really got me into podcasts um you know the thing i i like the most is just you know funny people talking to other funny people um just because the stream of conscious can go everywhere there's always like content that's that's poignant and all that stuff because one of the ones i listened to this past week was uh his interview with um james vanderbeek aka dawson yeah uh and part of it was you know talking to James Vanderbeek about being a dad of four uh, and then some other things about writing and stuff like that. So that stuff is definitely in our, in my wheelhouse. Um, so I just wanted to shout that out just cause that was one of the, the, the bridges to the whole podcast world for me. Yeah, for sure. And my other two things are Netflix things. This one actually I watched a few weeks ago and I just totally forgot to mention it, but have you seen Homecoming, the Homecoming King comedy special by Hassan Minhaj? Minhaj? Uh, I have not heard about it, though. It's not really a, a stand-up show because he does stand-up, but it's really more of a stage show. And I realized, I read afterwards that it, it was actually an off-Broadway show. Huh, okay. It's a very, you know, it's autobiographical. Um, it's both really, really funny and also really, really sad at at some points um like sad touching reflective because he's basically telling his story as being the son of immigrants growing up in davis california which is not the most if you you know you you remove the students it's not really the most diversity (laughs) right right um growing up in the era i was there too um as a student but it's really one of the best shows I think I've seen. And then the other thing that Hung and I just watched today actually was the incredible Jessica Jones. It's a Netflix original Jessica movie. James, right? Oh, <laughs> yes. Jessica James. Oops. Um, <laughs> Jessica Jones is different. I think. Right? Yeah, I know that's funny. No, it's funny. You said that because when we were trying to search it for it earlier, um, Hung was like, Oh, it's Jessica Jones. I'm like, I think that's the Marvel character. <laughs> so yeah, the incredible Jessica James. Um, that was good. It was funny. It was, uh, you know, it, it, what you expect from a story about dating and finding oneself and being a creative in New York and stuff. Oh, I did want to mention something that I watched on Netflix. I think mm-hmm. maybe it was like last week, mm-hmm. but it's um, Lion. Oh that, yeah, yeah. That film with uh, Dev Patel, basically right. the true story of a, of a kid who, uh, basically, he's from India, gets mm-hmm. lost as like 
he's like five years old, gets lost and gets adopted by um, some Australian family. Um, the mom is played by Nicole Kidman, and then he goes to find it. He tries to find his birth mom. Um, In India. Yeah. Have you seen it? I'm probably going to watch that soon. Dude, it's emotional as fuck. Yeah. Um, but it's good. Like, the performances are great. Like, um, with, you know, we talked about Nicole Kidman last time on Big Little Lies. And, yeah. like, Nicole Kidman is, you know, got to be in the running for greatest actress of her generation. Yeah. Dude, she's hell good. Dev Patel's legit too. Mm-hmm. Um, Rooney Mara's pretty good too. Rooney Mara is always Ooh. kind of uh, Rooney Mara. Girl oh, Rooney Mara, yeah, yeah, yeah. Girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was good. It was good, man. Cool. Been, you know, I guess been trying to get into creative mode late recently. Um, uh huh. You know, that's probably the biggest thing. Um, I worked, like with what? Uh, well, like, uh, remember a couple episodes back, I mentioned that I had been working on um, uh, a feature film, working on crew, lighting crew for the feature film from Patricio. Um, last two weekends yeah. ago, he came back to, to do another shoot. Um, and it was like this big scene. So I was able to work a couple of days on that and, you know, just kind of being around the, the, the crew and the actors and the, you know, all the creative people around just kind of helps get those juices flowing again. And, you know, it was, it was, it was strange cause I talked to this actor friend of mine, Jose, um, we had worked together. Uh, years ago for this uh, business of studios, this Filipino and Filipino-American theater. Like this was maybe Mm -hmm. 10, 12 years ago. Right. So I hadn't seen him in a while. So I was just kind of, you know, found a few moments to just chat him up. And then he asked me something like that was like uh, really weird or not weird, but it's kind of not what you would normally ask someone who you hadn't seen in a while. Like, so it was the usual, like, Hey man, how's it going? But then he says, Hey man, how's your soul? And I was like, (laughs) that's a weird question. He's like, ah, sorry to get right right into it, but you know, and I was like, you know, that's a great question. Yeah, that is a good question. You know? And I was like, you know, there's the, the one part of my soul that's really full. And that's the, the part with the family and, and um and the kids and all that like that's full it's like but i think there's something that needs some replenishing and it's kind of that creative side right you know we've right. talked about this before but like right. this podcast helps with that just even talking about um art and entertainment and stuff that we like just kind of helps um but it's actually you know just kind of make it be thirst a little bit more for I'm doing some more creative stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was like a really interesting kind of conversation that just kind of spurred from like this really unique question, like how's uh-huh. your soul? And I don't know. I think I'm gonna have to steal that question from him. And it's, I don't think you can ask that question to anyone. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it really sparks like a really great conversation if you've got the time, you know? Yeah, it, yeah, it definitely does. Like you said, you're right. Like it, you can't just ask any random person that, I mean, not random as in a stranger, but you can't just ask any random person even in your circles. Like that's that has to be asked by or asked to someone who gets who will get that question. Yeah, absolutely. Either from you or to you. Yeah. Um, that's a great. That's a really great question, especially when when you're talking about folks from your creative circles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, knowing that creativity or the creative aspect of your life is a value to you. Um, yeah, that's a really great question. And you know, what I, what I learned was that, you know, he himself is on in a similar place. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of great to, to know that, you know, you're, you're not alone and, you know, everyone, we, we both agree that, man, we should probably be trying harder, but it's hard, you know, like, mm-hmm. we're, oh, we're just too lazy. We're just getting our own heads and, you know. Um, but yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's it was just one of those really unique life conversations. Um, I think that I'll always probably remember um, and mm-hmm. and think about uh, when it comes to just kind of creating and you know I mentioned earlier that I had a conversation about uh, maybe an upcoming documentary project that like I'm really excited mm-hmm. about and then. Um, you know, another guy that I had worked with, uh, my buddy James Lantaya, who was the main actor um, in my, basically my student film 10 years ago now, mm-hmm. he is in the cast. So I ran into him again this time and he's just like, dude, we should do something, man. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, we should do something. And then, so I sent him like this script that I had locked and loaded and just kind of was something that I had, always been wanting to do should the opportunity be right you know right you know so sometimes you just need that that push from someone else to just be like hey man get up off your ass do something Mm -hmm. so you know i'm hoping that it can just kind of keep the i can just kind of build and then keep momentum for um the creative projects and yeah you know i'm putting it on wax now so mm-hmm. <laughs> i might ask you to cut it just so it's not you know i'm not accountable for it i'm just kidding no no, no we're keeping that in <laughs> that question about like how is your soul and having to reflect on that from the different angles you know how you said you know you're great in terms of family and being a dad and all that stuff because um that part of your soul is full right yeah it's something that um, that Hung is always wrestling with, not with herself so much, but with other people when she was pregnant and and now being a mom, mm-hmm. right? Is that once she didn't show till a very long time, but once people found out she was pregnant, the conversation shifted and basically the ident- her identity to those other people completely shifted to hmm. being a pregnant woman and expecting mom rather than being 
Hung Hu, blah, 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 whatever is the identity that's uh, in context for, for that person, sure. you know, like, sure. like the yoga teacher or the yoga competitor or the fitness competitor mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or the um, youth worker or, you know what I mean? Right. Or just a regular human being, a Giants fan, you know, where it shifted to primarily, oh, you're a pregnant woman. That's it. Right. Right. And obviously that's it isn't degrade, isn't demeaning the experience and what that means for her. But, you know, as, as being a whole human being, um, and something that I didn't, I wouldn't ever have to deal with. Cause like for nine months that she was carrying Malcolm, uh, no one would have known I was going to be an expecting father. Cause there's no, like, there's no, sh- there's, there's no, no physical, sign for that. Yeah. Yeah. And even now, no one knows, and no one will know if I'm a dad or not unless I say something, right? Right. And with Hung, I mean, they might not know she's a mom or not, but you know, it's, but that identity is, is, uh, or the rest of the, the her whole self gets lost in that with mm-hmm. other people. And so that's something that she struggled with to make sure that um, she kept in touch with and also reminded other folks. And maybe not, not, not so much reminding other folks, but just something that she reflected on a lot during, during the process. Um, because she is, you know, she's more than a mom, you know, like there's some people that say when, when they become moms, that's what they love and that's what their identity completely is. And mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. that's great. Right. But there's other people that say, I love being a mom or I love being a parent. I love being a mom. I love being this and that, but I also am more than just this. Right. Yeah. Um, so as it ties back to that, that question for you and for us, it's like, it's important if you value other things to make it, it, it it's, it's work. It's not just going to happen. Right. Because with work, with actually with with the um the the daily jobs or whatever that is and then um other things that we end up doing things will get pushed to the side unless we make sure that they stay central in the focus right um so yeah it's a big it's a big shout out to the the parents and the dads that that can use their fatherhood to to inspire their creativity and to push to drive their creativity and their actual craft making um yeah definitely definitely shout out to those guys it's hard My main dad moment re- relates back to vlog two. So I have vlog two up on our YouTube page and it's kind of a callback to our first episode, sports papa. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, we were talking about like what one part of the sports that we are looking forward to with our kids is sharing it with them, sharing experiences with them. And one of them for me that I mentioned was, the this annual softball tournament that uh is run by san mateo county 
and basically for some of these folks they're our friends and we're we're tight but we only see each other once a year Mm -hmm. uh and as a team and we have a strong camaraderie this team we play pretty well we always have like because each team's going to have some random people that aren't counting i'm not a county employee but each team will bring in some random people that are like just mashers (laughs) right (laughs) right right. both uh men and women and so we have some of those too but essentially our core core of our team is some folks that play regularly some better than others are women a lot of our women that have started with us when they first played with us really didn't play at all Mm-hmm. including Kung. our captain jen she really didn't play much when we first started because when i first met her she wasn't it was very hard for her to hit and now she's like zipping line drives everywhere because then they play regularly now but uh we had our annual tournament just this weekend it's something that hung and i value so much that we make sure we put in our calendar so we don't we don't plan anything for like the first or second weekends of august until we find out when the when a tournament is cool. just because something we value because as i mentioned there's kids there that we see only once a year and it's really fun to see them growing up one of them i met when she was i think three to six months old and now she's going go, she's going into middle school next year um and so it's those kids i also wanted to shout out for my dad moments that one thing is uh, we won the tournament for the rec league uh, or, uh, or the rec division for the first time ever. Oh, oh yeah, which was it came down pretty tight on the, in our two playoff games. Um, but nice, nice, we won. I had a GoPro. Unfortunately, I, I was really wasn't using it for the last game until the end. Um. But my dad moment was, you know, how the last episode I shouted out our friend who took care of Malcolm for the hours when Hung and I went on our first date night ever being parents. Right. So since both of us were playing, we ended up playing seven games, right? And there's no way that we were going to be able to both balance out not you know, one person play, one person doesn't play. Um, and the first game was rough on Malcolm. He was crying for most of it. And then we both had to kind of pop in and out of his view just to kind of calm him down. But once he got used to hanging out with some of the kids, they pretty much were the ones taking care of him. Sweet. <laughs> they were the one, they were, yeah, there was a 10-year-old and her sister's like seven or six or something like that. Um, they would the first couple of games after that, they would push him to calm him down on the stroller. Eventually one time he fell asleep by the end of day one, he was pretty much just playing with the kids and climbing on our friend's dad. Um, and you know, my, the whole dad moment piece is shout out to them for taking care of him. But really it's like, there's a lot of time we were both on the field on defense, right? Yeah. And for the most part, we don't know where the hell our son is, right? <laughs> well, you're paying attention to the game. the game. Yeah. But because this team is tight and there's always eyes on the kids that are watching Malcolm just because we've had eyes on them. Yeah, yeah. Growing up and 
those grandparents there, but even if they weren't there, there's, you know, it, it, as a community, taking care of the kids is part of our team identity, right? Yeah. And so it was really nice to be able to experience that. Um, and I was thinking like, yeah, I don't know where Malcolm is, but I'm pretty confident that he's safe. He's all and, good. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, that's, that's my dad moment for that. And also check out the vlog too, which is basically, um, just a short video of just some of our experiences during the, that weekend. Nice. So for me, my dad moment is, isn't really anything new. It was, it's, it's kind of more of like those moments where you're reminded of, um, of the past and you know like Mm -hmm. when you were uh, a newer dad or even when you weren't a dad so over the weekend I kind of mentioned this earlier but uh, a a good buddy of mine former co-worker um, that I've known since probably 2010 he had premiered this film that he'd been working on for over 10 years Mm -hmm. um you know, he did a Kickstarter. He's he wrote, he co-wrote and directed um, his first feature film, right? So he's been working on it forever. And so I went to the screening, and it um, it was weird because it was all faces uh, from the past when I wasn't a dad. Sometimes you know, I wasn't even married for some of the people who's you know, when I met some of those folks. Right. So it was, it was kind of weird. Like, and I went by myself, like, cause you know, it was a, it's, it's not something, it wasn't a film that the kids could really go to or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Tess stayed back at the hotel with the kids that I attended. Um, yeah. And it was weird. It was like, it was kind of like, a this weird moment where you realize that, you're hella old <laughs> for me. It's just like, man, okay. So this, you know, I met uh, Brad Cageno when he was, when we in back in 2010, it's 2017 now. Right. So it's like, uh-huh. you think about what has transpired in my life during the time that this guy was just getting his film made. Right. He got right, married, right, had, right. A, had one kid and had a second kid. And I'm seeing folks, you know, who I hadn't seen probably in, in, in seven years. And then it's just like, you know, you, you sit back and think about how much your life has changed. Um, uh-huh. yep. You know, and th- this movie just got made or just got finished. Right. If you think about this, this film as a kid, you know, they started making this 10 years ago. So that means your kid's mm-hmm. 10. Like this film is 10 years old before you, right. you actually like see it. So it, it right. was it was kind of weird, right? And then we also visited um, my buddy, good good buddy, homie, uh, collaborator Albert and um, and Joy. They just had um, their first kid. Mm. Um, so baby Esme or Esme, I don't know how. They're st- I think they're still unsure of how they want to pronounce her name. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm saying Esme, Esme Monet. Esme. Esme. Yeah. Um, Esme. Esme. So we visited them, and, you know, they were, you know, they 
we've been really good friends for like a long time. So, you know, they were there when Ginny was first born. And, you know, as we were going through all these things, you know, they're going through these things now. And we, you know, we were over at their place and, you know, just kind of seeing them go through what Tess and I went through with, with Ginny mm-hmm. and, and a dog, you know, too. Right. So it was like, it was kind of like a little, um, trip down memory lane and just talking about what their experiences were like. And, you know, it's like a, just like a flashback in many right. ways. Um, a mirror, a mirror fast flashback. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, so that the, this trip was like a series of those of moments where you kind of reflect on kind of where you are now because you're seeing uh, so many aspects of the past, right? Um, yeah. I tried. I wanted to. I think I'm gonna do another blog uh, vlog um, for. Uh, but it's funny because. Um, I wanted, I had this whole idea of just doing a, a recording video to like vlog for the, for this trip. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, cool, great. You know, I'll, I'll record now. And then, then you just kind of get too caught up and okay, we got to get going. We've got to pack the car. We got to make sure like the kids are settled and you just don't have time, dude. It's like, so, you know, I was able to record yeah. one thing. And then the battery died, so it, it's going to be like an incomplete, incomplete vlog, I think. But it's one of those things where, like, all right, cool, dude, this is going to be perfect for um, produce some content for the Pop Culture Podcast YouTube channel. I think it'll be really, really cool. Like, Ginny's <laughs> into it, you know? Yeah. Um, but then it just got too crazy. Just tried to like shuttle everyone around and make sure that you know it's just like, oh god. But right. Maybe the next trip, but, you know, so shout outs to those like vlogger, those YouTubers and those vloggers who, mm. who, who can do that. Cause man, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard, man. It is. Um, yeah. And also shout out to Brad, my homie Brad for, um, releasing his film. That's pretty inspiring. Uh, I've told him this too, but like a couple of years ago, he had sent me a rough cut where I watched the film and gave him some uh, feedback. Um, And he actually took some of those notes, which was really, really cool. Uh, So I'm happy to have contributed in the final cut. Nice. I also contributed because I I donated to his Kickstarter or whatever, but... um, but yeah, it's really cool, you know, like uh, on the heels of uh, just being inspired by working on set. There's this guy who whose big goal has kind of come through, come to fruition, you know, with his film. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. seeing that's uh, inspiring and it's really cool. Nice. What's his, What's the film called? Oh, it's called I Hate You. I hate you. Yeah. By Brad Kageno. 
we'll cool. we'll share some links for that too. He's not a dad. Yeah. Not that he needs to be one. Well, not at least not, <laughs> not that I know of. You know, <laughs> not that he knows of. He may not know of anyone too. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah we'll share that. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Pop Culture Podcast. Um, just a reminder, check out uh, the vlog. That's on YouTube. Um, so add us uh, on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just do a search, Pop Culture Podcast. And also um, subscribe through your favorite podcast uh, supplier, I guess. Write a short review. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, it'll help. I don't know where this podcast is going to go, but we sincerely hope that it grows Mm -hmm. because it's fun. We're having, John and I have a good time doing this, um, as evidenced by our two hour and 16 minute recording time. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's actually fairly modest this time. (laughs) It is. Um, Anyhow, so on behalf of John... Um, This is Anton, and we are signing out until next time. Peace out.